Howdy, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I sure hope you are going to have a delightful weekend wherever you are. The phone number, if you would like to call in and be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. We must begin with where I intended to be in the last half hour. That's fine. We'll get there. We need to talk about our economy because there is jobs data out there today. And on the surface, the jobs data appears to be pretty doggone good. Here is uh, Stuart Varney talking about it on um, on Fox News earlier today. Where'd the clip go now? I had it here a second ago. Pulled up. Ah, yes. Wrong folder. Here we go. This is Stuart Varney from Fox Business talking about the new jobs numbers. Move on. Uh, we have the latest jobs report, the jobs number. We've all seen it. 372,000 new jobs, 3.6% unemployment. Lauren, that doesn't look like an economy in recession to me. Or a job full recession, right? I mean, <laughs> so more jobs, yeah, more jobs were added in June. The unemployment rate that it held again at that two-year low of 3.6%. This is all about the message to the Fed, right? It's okay to keep hiking. They'll go 100%. <laughs> Move on. Now, that last part is kind of key here. You do need to know some of the, the underlying data, though, is a lot of this is... Um, a lot of this is people with multiple jobs. There's actually been a decline in the number of people with one full-time job and an increase in the number of people with multiple part-time jobs to make ends meet. That's a warning sign. That is a warning sign. Now, the White House spin on this, as you can imagine. We look at where we are economically, and we are in a strong, uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. When you look at the unemployment numbers at 3.6%, uh, when you look at the jobs numbers, uh, more than 8.7 million of, of new jobs created. Except, here's a problem. It suggests that the Fed is not working to slow down the economy. If you're wondering... Uh, so the Dow Jones Industrial Average, as I'm talking right now, is down. NASDAQ is down and the S&P 500 is down. Why would that be? We just got incredible jobs numbers. Well, the reason they're down is because it suggests the Fed is going to raise interest rates probably more than they were going to. They were thinking of another 50 basis points, and now they're thinking of a 75 basis points. What is that? What does that mean? Um, it means that they're thinking... They're not successfully slowing down the economy. And because they're not successfully slowing down the economy, they're afraid inflation is going to keep going. The rate of inflation may slow, but it's still going to go up. That's what they're thinking. And the underlying fundamental data here, the household survey, shows there are fewer Americans in the workforce. So while there are uh, more people going to work, there are fewer Americans actually working. And that contradiction tends to be a warning sign that there are problems in the economy. And one of the problems in the economy is the massive rate of inflation that we're still seeing. Now, the upside of that is there are signs that the rate of inflation is slowing, but that the rate of inflation is still too high. This is going to provoke a bigger interest rate cut or a bigger interest rate increase. 
and the Fed's been warning about it. But there's other news out there that's even more troubling. Uh, and again, I mean, unquestionably, the number of jobs created is a good thing. The number of people going to work is a good thing. Um, hiring actually has slowed, according to the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. employers added 372,000 jobs in June, extending a streak of strong labor market gains as the broader economy showed signs of weakening under the weight of high inflation and rising interest rate hikes. Hiring in June was nearly monthly gains logged earlier in the year, the Labor Department said. Companies added an average of nearly 400,000 workers over the previous three months, keeping the job market on solid footing. The unemployment rate last month at 3.6% was a touch above the half-century low recorded before the pandemic of 2020. The jobless rate has held at that level for four consecutive months, a sign the labor market is still tight but loosening. Average hourly earnings grew 5.1% in June from a year earlier, a step down from higher levels earlier this year. Employers hired across industries with the government, the only major category that shed jobs. Interesting. The labor force participation rate ticked down to 62.2% in June from 62.3%. Participation dropped broadly last month with declines among women, men, workers in their prime ages of 25 to 54 and baby boomers. The labor market in which demand for workers far outpaces unemployed people looking for work has held up stronger than the rest of the economy. Consumers are starting to pull back on spending. Some economists think the U.S. is already in recession. Others believe it's likely to slip into one in the next year. Gross domestic product fell at a 1.6% annual rate in the first quarter. The Fed in Atlanta, the Federal Reserve Bank in Atlanta model, closely watched by Wall Street, estimates the economic output contracted in the second quarter as well, which would definitionally make us a recession. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Now, here is the most troubling story of the day. This is a story that should get disproportionate attention in the press. This is your danger sign. This is your warning. And not enough people are talking about this story. This is from Bloomberg News. Europe's fertilizer plants, steel mills, and chemical manufacturers were the first to succumb. Massive paper mills, soybean processors, and electronics factories in Asia went dark. Now, soaring natural gas and energy prices are starting to hit the U.S. industrial complex. On June 22nd, 600 workers at the second largest aluminum mill in America, accounting for 20% of U.S. supply, learned they were losing their jobs because the plant can't afford an electricity tab that's tripled in a matter of months. Century Aluminum Company says it's it'll idle the Hawesville, Kentucky mill for as long as a year, taking out the biggest of its three U.S. sites. A shutdown like this can take a month as workers carefully swirl the molten metal into storage so it doesn't solidify in pipes and vessels and turn the entire facility into a useless brick. Restarting takes another six to nine months. For this reason, owners don't halt operations unless they're exhausted all other options. It's the most poignant signal yet of what's to come, but not the only one. At least two steel mills have begun suspending some operations to cut energy costs, according to one industry executive who asked not to be identified because the information isn't public. 
in May, a group of factories across the U.S. Midwest warned federal energy regulators that some were on the verge of closing for the summer or longer because of what they described as unjust and unreasonable energy costs. They asked to be wholly absolved of some power fees, a request that if granted would be unprecedented. It's no wonder. By the beginning of June, natural gas prices had tripled what they were a year earlier, threatening households and businesses alike with some of the biggest utility bills they've ever seen. This summer, electricity rates for industrial customers are set to hit their highest levels ever, based on U.S. government forecasts. Because U.S. plants and factories depend on both electricity and gas, this could very well be the moment the rugs pulled out from under the American industry. Manufacturing overtime hours have already declined for three straight months, the longest downward stretch since 2015 and a measure of U.S. manufacturing activity weakened in June to a two-year low as new orders contracted. A week after Century's announcement, the nation's largest aluminum producer, Alcoa, said it's closing a third of its production in a mill in Indiana because of operational challenges. These headwinds could eventually threaten what some see as a longer-term boom in American manufacturing as corporations look to reduce their dependence on China. Y'all, this is a red alert. This is a big red flag. This is the beginnings of a forest fire that if left uncontained is going to wipe out our economy. And that's not an understatement. Manufacturing is not the bellwether in this country that it once was because we outsource so many jobs. But when the nation's largest steel and aluminum mills are shutting down because of energy costs. It's going to wreak havoc in the global economy, not just our own. It is true in part and in intellectual honesty and fairness that this has a lot to do with the Russian situation and the cost of natural gas in Europe going up and our exports to Europe going up because of the Russian curtailment and the refusal to take Russian supplies. This is why, by the way, if we're going to stand with Ukraine, we need to, to double down and get this war over with as quick as we can by whatever we can do without actively directly engaging the Russians. This will wreak havoc in our economy. It is not good. Again, the second largest aluminum mill in America, accounting for 20% of American supply, is shutting down possibly for a year or longer because it cannot afford its power bill and its natural gas bill. What they're essentially saying is we can't raise the price of aluminum products higher than they already are or people will stop buying them. So it's better for us to shut this down than try to jack up our rates because nobody can afford to buy it at those rates. They can't afford to buy electricity and their customers can't afford to buy the aluminum that they would have to charge at rates in order to pay for their electricity. This should be shocking to people in Washington, D.C. This should be a massive warning sign to people in Washington. And this story is getting very little attention. It made it across the wire in Bloomberg News. And to my knowledge, I'm the only person out there talking about it right now, now that it's off the wire. And the spin from people in Washington is, well, now you know manufacturing, it's not that big of a deal in this country anymore. I'm sorry, but when the plant that supplies 20% of aluminum in this country is shutting down. It's going to have, well, beer can prices. Going to affect the price of beer. Going to affect the price of cars. It's going to affect the price of a host of electronics. 
it's going to affect all sorts of prices in this country, including prices at the grocery store. Not just the prices at the big box stores and electronic stores, but at the grocery store too. It's seriously going to impact this country. And they're doing it because of energy and gas prices. And you know, this is July. In Europe, they're already slowing down uh, transmission of, of natural gas. In fact, in Germany, they're now cutting off winter or just summer heating. In parts of Germany that get cool at night, they're cutting off power supply because of natural gas. This is the summer in Europe, and they're already starting to rain in overnight gas for people's heating bills when at night they turn the heat on because it gets cool in the mountains in Germany. This is the summer, folks. This is the summer. Wait until we get to the winter. It's going to be even worse. There are a series of cascading errors in our American presidential administration has become so hostile to all of the things that they should do to improve our energy production situation, particularly for oil and natural gas, that they would rather the second largest aluminum plant in the country responsible for 20% of American output shut down than allow American oil and gas producers to produce more oil and gas. They are forcing us into crisis to try to break us and put us all in battery-powered cars. And here's the thing. You can't convert an aluminum mill to a battery-powered aluminum mill. They need the gas, and this administration is doing everything possible to make it as difficult as possible for oil and gas producers to turn a profit. And so they have no incentive whatsoever to engage in extra drilling in this country. This is Economics 101, and the Biden administration is failing, and it's going to cause a cascading effect on them at the ballot box when voters turn them out of office. Listen, I realize it's a podcast ad, but it's also true. I do sleep under Bull and Branch sheets every night. They are noticeable, distinct there. They've got a great weight to them. They've got a great softness to them, and they get softer over time. They use the best 100% organic cotton threads on the planet for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're soft to start with. They get softer. They've also got a great weight. They're not too light. They're not too heavy. They keep you cool in the summer, warm in the winter. They're just perfect sheets, really. They use the highest quality threads there are. They're beloved even by three U.S. presidents. They got over 10,000 stellar reviews. And you can feel the difference of their iconic signature sheets pretty immediately. Bull and Branch even gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. The annual summer event is starting soon, but Bull and Branch is giving you guys exclusive early access before anyone else to 20% off with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. It is their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. Again, you guys, my listeners of The Eric Erickson Show, get this exclusive early access, and you get to save 20% with promo code ERIC. It's Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, for 20% off. Hi there. It's Eric Erickson, the phone number 877-973-7425. Where was I? I just clicked off my notes and then, yes, here we go. The Army has cut off more than 60,000 
unvaccinated Guard and Reserve soldiers from pay and benefits, according to military.com. 40,000 National Guard and 22,000 Reserve soldiers who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19 are no longer allowed to participate in military duties, effectively cutting them off from some of their military benefits. Soldiers who refuse the vaccination order without an approved or pending exemption request are subject to adverse administrative actions, including flags, bars to service, and official reprimands. The move comes in the midst of the annual training season, during which part-time soldiers are often ordered to serve from two weeks to a month with their units for summer training exercises. Those training events are usually critical for soldiers to sharpen their military skills and for unit commanders to ensure their formations are ready to deploy if needed. It's almost like the Chinese are in charge of our military these days. Let's ask ourselves, what can we do to severely undermine American military performance? I know. Let's fire all the soldiers who didn't get the COVID vaccine. Meanwhile, all the vaccinated soldiers, well, they're getting COVID. I realize the president of the United States as the commander in chief has the power to order mandatory vaccinations. He does. George Washington mandated the smallpox vaccine. Or the small, whatever it was back then. It wasn't really a vaccine, but nonetheless, you get my point. The president has the power to do this. It was just stupid of him too. This administration continues chronically to bungle. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind-numbing to me that we're at this point. All these people were willing to give up their lives in service of their country, but they didn't want to take that vaccine. Now, I disagree with them. I think they should have. But the fact that this administration is tossing them at a time of international turmoil is ridiculous to me. It genuinely, it's it's stupid to me that we're in a situation where this president and this administration have decided to crack down on members of the military over a COVID vaccine when they're literally now going to allow uh, soldiers who are HIV positive to serve on the front lines. Now, you and I should both know that in normal circumstances, uh, someone with HIV is not going to give it to someone else. You, you, you touch them, you're not going to get it. But on the front lines, they get shot and they're HIV positive and they're bleeding. Well, you got a problem when uh, the people servicing them could potentially, by interacting with their bodily fluids, also get infected. That's why, for all of this time, we haven't allowed HIV positive soldiers on the front lines. And now the Biden administration is willing to do that, but fire the people who won't get the COVID vaccine, even when soldiers who get it are getting COVID. It's kind of nonsensical. The data shows people who are healthy and in shape, they're not going to have a bad time of it if they get it. And in fact, there's more and more data out there showing natural immunity really does help. A lot of people already have gotten it, uh, particularly if you're a soldier who's already gotten it. There's no reason to really get the vaccine. And yet this is what they're doing. It's anti-science. It's dogmatic. It undermines our national security, which is kind of definitionally at this point how the Biden administration operates from Afghanistan to this. It's ridiculous. I want to tell you what's not ridiculous. If you go to Omaha Steaks right now, you get an incredible package. It is not ridiculous. It's delicious. You go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric in the search bar and you will get a special price on the All-American Assortment, and as a bonus, you get eight of the Omaha Steak Burgers for free. Now, these are not your standard ground chuck that you get from the grocery store. They are a blended burger. They are delicious. They are juicy. They don't shriek up 
and little hockey pucks on the grill. They're great. The All-American Assortment includes 16 mouthwatering entrees, four of their butcher-cut double-trim fillets, yes, hand-cut by butchers, trimmed up nicely for you, four pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, so much more, and you get those eight Omaha Steak Burgers for free. You also get the caramel apple tartlets that my wife likes. You go to omahasteaks.com. You put Eric in the search bar. You get all of this over 50% off. You're filling up your freezer, getting ready for a summer of grilling. It's perfect. And you get 100% satisfaction guarantee. What you do is go to omahasteaks.com. Put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar. You'll see my name. Click it. Get the All-American Assortment. 50% off. Eight burgers for free. It's a heck of a deal from a heck of a company. OmahaSteaks.com. Eric in the search bar. Hi there. I hope it's nice wherever you are. It is pitch black here and the thunder and lightning so loud. If you hear what sounds like booms in the background, it's the, it's the thunder. My goodness. Great. I drove home last night from Atlanta and yeah, I could, there was, so I had about an hour drive and there was a storm at, over my house. And I could see the thunderhead a mile away. It was so big. You could see the lightning dancing across the sky the whole way home. Um, the power went out and everything. It, it was a mess. Um, but it was beautiful to watch. Man, I like to sit on the porch. You know, when I go to the beach and you see the storms off the coast rolling in, just sit out there and watch the thunderstorms. Gosh, there's nothing more relaxing to watch a storm rolling in. So one day I want a long-range view from a house so I can sit on the porch in a rocking chair and just watch the storms. When I was a kid... My dad and I used to sit on the front porch of our house and do that. And gosh, it's just their nature is something. In any event, we got to move on. We got news. I mentioned the polling in Georgia for Biden from a Democratic polling firm. In Georgia, if you weren't here in the first hour, the polling for Biden is absolutely brutal. Uh, like 85% disapproval among white voters. Only 51% approval among black voters. Uh, 68% disapproval among Hispanic voters. He's losing uh, post-grads. He's losing women. He's losing men. He's losing young voters, everybody. The only two categories of voters in Georgia where Biden is, has approval above water are black voters, 51%, and Democrats, 60%, which is unheard of to have only 60% approval from your own party. Nationally, panic is starting to set in again. There is a story in Politico we should pay attention to written by Jonathan Lemaire and Christopher Catalago. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. None, nonetheless, in Politico, in virtual meetings over the course of the spring, Democratic governors across the nation have pressed President Biden's advisors to adopt a sharper message ahead of the midterms. They've prodded officials for more details of how the administration was going to communicate its wins and improve its messaging. They have also wanted to see a clear demonstration of new actions from the White House. Don't just tell us what you've done, is how a person familiar with the meetings exchange uh, characterized the feelings of governors. What you've done, the governors have conveyed, is not working. Through it all, there's been a general and growing dissatisfaction with the White House response. That budding frustration relayed by three-party officials familiar with the meetings has morphed into outright worry, and it's surfaced elsewhere. Underlying it all is a concern Biden and his team are not just out of fresh ideas, but increasingly out of time to turn around their flagging poll numbers before the midterms. Last month, 
More tension-filled gatherings took place on Capitol Hill in a meeting between senior administration officials and members of the House. There, lawmakers were expected to receive guidance on matters as concrete as how to counter Republicans who are handing out free gas cards and baby formula to court irate voters. Instead, they were met with familiar talking points about the White House legislative success. White House aides do not appear to be in enough of a hurry. Y'all, panic is setting in. The White House, the president, has decided to sign some executive orders on abortion. And it was a very bizarre press conference. Now, let me explain to you what he wants to do. He's going to write an executive order that basically says states can't pass laws that punish people for crossing state lines to get abortions. And on a federal level, I think he's on constitutionally solid ground there. Just as you can't pass a law to punish one of your voters for flying to, say, from you know, Georgia to, Mar- to, to Nevada to buy marijuana, as long as they don't bring it back to your state, as long as they're in Nevada. You can't punish someone for going to Nevada and engaging in conduct that is illegal in Nevada. You cannot punish a voter for going to California from your state to have an abortion. You can make all sorts of claims if you want to make those claims and try and test the ground that actually they're killing another human being, they're killing another citizen of your state. You can try that. But even Brett Kavanaugh signaled the Supreme Court's not going to go for that. The votes aren't there for that. It's not going to happen. And I think you risk overplaying your hand if you do that. But right now, the Biden administration, the other thing they want to do is prevent states from blocking access to prescription abortifacient drugs. And I think the states can block that constitutionally. So one out of two of those things will be constitutional. One out of two of those things will be unconstitutional. The Democrats, though, are so fixated on it, they're missing everything else. And then the press conference, we just need to acknowledge Joe Biden's press conference and statements were a little bit, well, I'm going to let you listen to the audio. Uh, Here he is on the the, uh, Abe situation. Um, The fact is that uh, one thing did strike my, get my attention, that this is the first use of a weapon to murder someone in the, in Japan. And I think we have thus far have 3,000, I won't hold me to the number, 688 or, I mean, between three and 4,000 cases. They have won. Won. Um, political assassinations? They've actually had more shooting deaths in Japan. Just one political assassination. We've had three or 4,000. That was a little bizarre. Wait a second. There, there's, there's, there's another one here. There's another from Joe here that you need to hear. Ten years old. And she was forced to have to travel out of the state to Indiana to seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. Terminate the pregnancy or presidency. Terminate the presidency to save her life. Terminate the presidency. My gosh. (laughs) He's got Kamala Harris leaning over his shoulder and she's like, there's an idea, Indiana. Let's go on a road trip, Joe. (laughs) By the way, you need to know the background of this. There's a reporter out there who claims that a 10-year-old was forced to travel across state lines to get an abortion. A 10-year-old. The 
persons in people involved, including the 10-year-old, are refusing to confirm the story. They're refusing to talk about the story. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. None of the Democrats upset with this story are upset that someone got a 10-year-old pregnant. They're upset the 10-year-old can't kill the child. That should probably tell you why none of these Democrats are upset that we don't know the names of the people who are working with Jeffrey Epstein. Ghislaine Maxwell has gone to prison for sex trafficking of young girls, and none of the Democrats seem concerned with the fact that it appears to be a crime where there's no victimizer, no abusers. The girls were being trafficked into the nothing, apparently, into the void, because there are no names coming out. The Democrats don't appear to be concerned about it, and these are the same damn Democrats who are fired up over a story about a 10-year-old girl who couldn't get an abortion, and not a single one of them cares that the girl, 10 years old, got pregnant. Who got her pregnant? They don't care. They're not asking the story. And by the way, you should know that no one can verify the story. Not a single person can verify the story that the Democrats are using because the people involved are refusing to talk at all about it. Last one from Joe Biden at this press conference. My goodness. Power. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so, end of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political, or, or maybe precise, not and or, or political power. That's another way of saying that you, the women of America, can determine the outcome of this issue. I don't think the court, or for that matter, the Republicans... Can, can the Democrats finally admit there's something wrong? He was reading off a teleprompter. Repeat the line, and then he got the line wrong, reading it off a teleprompter. Can the Democrats at least acknowledge there's something up here? They're starting to panic. They're starting to, 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 to get deeply concerned. And they're starting to realize they might be out of time. But none of them are willing to acknowledge that maybe something's up with the president of the United States and his age and mental capacity. None of them want to do that. If November is the bloodbath that all of the polling appears to show that it just might be, maybe they'll go there. They're not going to right now. But I want to give you the perspective today. Joe Biden is at a 38% approval a 57.3% disapproval rating in the Real Clear Politics polling average. According to Reuters Ipsos, a poll conducted in July, well after the Dobbs decision had sunk in, Joe Biden is at 36% approve, 59% disapprove. When it comes to the generic ballot between the Republicans and the Democrats, Republicans and the Real Clear Politics polling average are now up to 2.5%. Monmouth University has the Republicans up two. Emerson has them up three. Harvard Harris has them tied. Rasmussen has them up eight. And Insider Advantage has them up eight. Abortion is not going to win this for the Democrats. Now, let me go to Sandra, waiting patiently out there. Sandra, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Hey there, Eric. I'm doing just fine. I read your column every day. Thank you. Um, 
And I, it just struck me, I had to say this to somebody, after listening to your report on the uh, acceptance of HIV-positive individuals into the military, that they, the Biden administration seems to be grabbing anything out of its little bag of tricks that it's, the Democrats have held on to for so long to just throw out there to see what's going to stick or we got to say something next. we got to try one more thing before we don't have the reins anymore. And it's patently transparent and it's dadgum embarrassing. Look, uh, they they are desperate. Uh, They really are throwing everything they possibly can at the wall to see what sticks like spaghetti noodles. Um, They they, they got nothing at this point. Uh, They're trying to do little bits of constituency. So for the, the, the gay rights community, let's do the HIV positive thing. For the feminists, let's do the abortion thing. For the transgender community, let's do the uh, transgender sports stuff. And they're trying to do this. And, and what's so notable here, and, and, and to your point, Sandra, is they're picking issues that actually turn off independent middle-class suburban mom voters. These are not the issues where you get the suburban moms back. It's really notable that Biden's best polling constituency out there tends to be women, and in Georgia, it's like 56% of them disapprove. Higher when you just focus on white women. It's remarkable that we're at this point with an administration that seems absolutely unable to figure out where it's going. And the Democrats now realize it. That's the thing here that's got to be really frustrating. Look, if if I were, let's just go back to this. Let's go back to 2018. It was deeply frustrating as a Republican in 2018 to know the tide always turns against the party in the White House, with very rare exception. And to see Republicans in 2018 being unwilling to mitigate the damage, Donald Trump couldn't stay off of Twitter. He kept making things worse, making more people mad. And when the voters went to the polls in 2018, despite a good economy, despite tax cuts, despite all that, they were so infuriated with Trump and with the GOP, they put Nancy Pelosi back in power in the House. And you could see it coming from a mile away. A lot of the hardcore partisans refused to acknowledge it, and the Republicans refused to admit it, and, and no one sat the president down and said, look, man, you finally got to exercise some self-control, or you're going to put in power the people who are coming for you. And, well, they put those people in power, and look what happens. Eventually, Chuck Schumer got the Senate back. My gosh. And now that they got the Senate back and the House and the White House, they've managed to run the economy into the ground. We're seeing 40-year high inflation, interest rate hikes, increased gas prices. Y'all may want to reach out to GoldCo. See if they can help you. If you got $50,000 more in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement, precious metals might be able to at least level out the ebbs and flows of your retirement accounts. You can call GoldCo at 855-904-5933. At least you'll get a free wealth protection kit from them. Learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. And listen, it's it's a good kit. You should get their free kit from them. Just check it out. Um, even if you decide it's not a fit for you, you should at least reach out to them and see that you might decide they're a good fit for you. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call Gold Go. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans through the ebbs and flows of the stock market. They've helped them with their retirement they might be able to help you. They might be a good fit for you. Their number is 855-904-5933. But if you text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, I'll send you Gold Coast number. 
Call them and get the free wealth protection kit. Learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. If nothing else, get that from them. It'll make you do some thinking. And if you want to partner with them, well, reach out to them. Text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Reach out to my friends at Gold Co. Get some advice from them on using precious metals in your retirement. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but don't let that discourage you. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. The uh, Customs and Border Patrol has announced they have found no evidence any migrants were whipped or struck by horseback by Border Patrol agents in Texas. I need to repeat this for you because this is going to probably blow some of your minds. The completed investigation has now happened. The Customs and Border Patrol has announced there is no evidence any migrants were whipped or struck by horseback Border Patrol agents in Texas. We have known this already. But the investigation has now been completed. But here's the thing. To placate progressives, they're going to discipline four Border Patrol agents for using derogatory language and using threats of force to get migrants to turn back into the Rio Grande. Multiple federal sources are telling Bill Malugan at Fox News Agents received their proposed discipline from Customs and Border Patrol yesterday. It includes unpaid suspensions of up to 14 days. The agents will have the opportunity to respond. The Customs and Border Patrol agents who were on horseback and scurrilously defamed by progressive activists, they are owed an apology from the President of the United States and his administration for even accusing them of whipping illegal aliens coming across the the Rio Grande. Instead, because this administration lacks any sort of humility to ever admit it's wrong, they're still going to punish the agents, even though they were defamed and lied about, because they got to placate the progressive mob that wants to flood our borders with illegal aliens. Everybody should be outraged about this. And by the way, it's this sort of story that is turning Hispanic voters along the border into Republicans. Literally, progressive activists, members of Congress, and members of the Biden administration itself. I think Joe Biden himself commented, uh, criticizing these Border Patrol agents for apparently whipping illegal aliens. The investigation has been done. They were not whipping illegal aliens. They never were struck by the Border Patrol agents. The Border Patrol agents were using reins on horses to steer the horses on a decline towards the Rio Grande. It looked like they were whipping people because of the way the camera angle was, but really they were controlling the horses. But don't let the facts get in your way when you're a leftist. And now these agents, proven to be innocent, are going to be punished because they use bad language at the illegal immigrants and threatened to use force as a way to deter them. They never used force. These people are owed an apology, not a punishment. The fact that the Biden administration is going to punish them after lying about them is a damning indictment of this administration going to do nothing but hurt the morale of the Border Patrol at a time we need to put our best foot forward as a migrant caravan is headed our way.